How's it going, coaches? If you want to learn more about how to install and run Weak Power, go check out my Weak Power install course at rtpclass.com. My course includes a series of seven videos totaling just over one hour and 20 minutes of film breakdown, blocking rules, philosophies, execution, and installation of weak power out of multiple offensive personnels and sets, as well as seven downloadable and fully customizable documents used to enhance offensive line play and install weak power. This course puts an emphasis on offensive line play to enhance your team's ability to run and install weak power out of one and two back sets. If you'd like to support our coaches in the podcast, Go to the store section of our website, runthepower.com, and choose from three different designs of t-shirts, long sleeves, and sweatshirts, costing as little as $20. We are now partnering with Lyman Performance to give our listeners the best deal to date on their suit bone landmine attachment, which is a sleeve attachment for a standard weightlifting bar that allows athletes to keep their elbows in while executing landmine movements. Go to linemanperformance.com. Order their product and enter the code RTPNATION in all capital letters at checkout to get $10 off your order and a free RTP t-shirt. Again, go to linemanperformance.com, enter RTPNATION in all caps at checkout for $10 off and a free podcast t-shirt. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Powerlift. We don't just like Powerlift because of their awesome name. We also use Powerlift at Broken Arrow and Ankeny to design both of our facilities. They not only have a good product, they also have a bunch of good dudes. They don't come off as those greasy bad car salesmen that you run into a lot of the time. Instead, you get to work with guys like former guest J.R. Conrad, guys that truly care about the game and your football team and want to help you build your strength program. Powerlift is a trusted program that is designed the University of Oklahoma, University of Iowa, Baylor University, and Mater D High School's weight facility just in the last few years, along with many, many more. Let Powerlift take your unique needs and use them to design your state-of-the-art facility. From concept to completion, choose Powerlift. Powerful ideas, powerful results, made in the USA. Go check out Powerlift at power-lift.com. Again, for any of your weight facility needs, go check out Powerlift at power-lift.com and tell them Run the Power sent you. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by SkyCoach. SkyCoach is a proven sideline replay technology that will give you the advantage over opponents utilizing anything else. It's got 24-7 support, a flexible network that works in any stadium, any size crowd, and the most reliable, innovative software available. We use this at Broken Arrow. Uh, We've got the butt shot and the wide shot. It is crucial in games to be able to see that. I can tell, did a team get into four and four eyes? Are they just really loose threes? Uh, is it a is it a tight shade or is he head up? Um, it works great for us. I can tell where they're slanting, when they're blitzing. Uh, you know, so many times you've had a kid come off the field and say they're getting uh, a guy blitzing in every gap, right? But here you can go back, you can look at it. We've got our OC up in the press box looking at the wide, me on the sideline looking at the tight, and, and we can actually hook these up to TVs on the sideline, show the kids. It works great. It's worked every time. Uh, I love being able to use it. Sky Coach, to be the best, you must use the best. Don't let your team down by choosing something inferior. Sky Coach, the market leader in sideline replay. Visit them at myskycoach.com to learn more. Again, if you want a great sideline replay, go to myskycoach.com to learn more. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Attack Academy. Team Attack Academy is an online football development site for football players and coaches of all levels. It's the most powerful teaching tool introduced into the game today to raise the level of playing and coaching football. After using Team Attack Academy, your athletes and coaches will outplay, 
outwork, and outsmart their opponents guaranteed. Go check them out at their website, teamattackacademy.com. We are really excited to say that on this episode of RTP, we talk with none other than Charles Bentley. Coach Bentley is a former All-American and Remington Trophy Award winner at The Ohio State University and is a two-time Pro Bowl offensive lineman. Charles currently runs O-Line Performance, where he trains select offensive linemen for the NFL and sells equipment made specifically for offensive line movement, being used at many of the top colleges and high school programs around the nation. Charles is also the author of two new books, Rebuilt to Dominate, which offers the opportunity to get insight into what has helped LeCharles in his successes to this point and the rough battle it took to get there, which you can order on Amazon in paperback or for Kindle. Coach Bentley also mentions exclusively on our podcast that he has finished his second book specifically for offensive linemen that he will be releasing in the coming weeks. Listen as we talk with LeCharles Bentley about the biggest misconceptions coaches have when training offensive line athletes, how important it is to start with a proper stance optimized for movements, and why you should be using external coaching cues with your athletes. You can follow the Charles Bentley on Twitter at OlineWorld65. Hope you guys enjoy. We're here with the Charles Bentley. Um, you know, something we didn't think we'd be saying. Uh, we, we put this podcast together about three months ago. Uh, we started writing down a list of, of who we'd love to have on, and, and uh, your name was obviously on the top of the list, and we kind of laughed about it because I uh, thought that was obviously a, a far shot would be a, a nice way to put it. So we're really excited to have you on here. Um, you know, it's kind of something that within these past few years, and it, it seemed quick to us, I'm sure it's been a long process for you, but for 20, 30 years, it's, it's been, you know, McNally and it's been Gibbs. And, and now, um, over these past few years, uh, it's been uh, Charles Bentley as well now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been, a, uh, <laughs> it's been an interesting uh, journey. And this is year 10. And it's been, uh, it's been fun, to, to say the least. It's, it's been fun. It's been rewarding. Uh, the off-of-the-line aspect of it. To be quite honest with you, it's just been, I guess you could say, the hook or the bait uh, because it's all about people. And that's really why I got into this and really why I wanted to be involved and continue to be involved with this game and obviously with uh, the skill set because I truly believe that some of the most unique and some of the most special people uh, in the world that you'll ever meet are, even from the female side as well, have a offensive line type mentality. and. That just extends beyond just, you know, the gridiron. It extends into life. It's that workman, uh, workwoman type mentality that people get up in the morning to do the best they can by the people that they love and know at the end of the day they're probably going to get very little of the credit and all the blame. And that's society. And that's the world that we live in. And I'm just very fortunate and blessed to be able to talk about something that I truly care about and help people. Well, that's, that was always the big thing with me. I, I, I see you doing all these things for coaches, and you're holding free clinics, and Coach Walls, and, and hopefully he'll talk about it a little bit more. He went to your, one of your clinics in Iowa, but you're holding these free clinics for coaches and, and helping coaches even sell things uh, on their own. And, and I'm just sitting there like, all right, well, what, what's this guy getting out of it? You know, what, what's, his, what's his angle? You know, just kind of, you know, honestly, like, what's going on? And then every guy I've ever talked to that have gone to any of these is like, Look, there's no angle, there's no catch. It's just the 
guy cares about people. The guy loves football and, and he loves helping out people. So um, we've had however many guests come on. And I think just about every single one of them has, has talked um, extremely highly about you and everything you've been doing. Well, I appreciate that. And I hope that continues to, to be the, the narrative as we kind of keep going down this rabbit hole. But no, there's no, there's no catch. You know, do we sell products? Do I run a business? Am I an entrepreneur? Yeah, I'm all those things. But I believe that there's a time and a place for all of that. And there's things that we do that have value. Uh, but we've given away so much. And I've always been of the, of the ilk that if you, you help people, you always get it back in return. And, you know, over the years, you've done a lot. You've done a lot to uh, push the needle forward in this community and, some things we had to give away and then at the same time we have to run a business. So it's a fine balance. It's a balance where you want to do, do right. And at the end of the day though, uh, the red cross, you know, symbol isn't on my shirt. Uh, so we do, <laughs> still have, <laughs> we still have a business mindset, but at the same time, as I said, you know, I think there's, there's enough in this world to go around where uh, you can win and still at the same time do right by people. Uh, Coach Bentley, you know, uh, your story, obviously, you were, you know, all pro football player, first round pick, a big time guy coming out of Ohio State. I thought it was interesting because, you know, when you, you had your speech at Iowa State, you really spoke of your passion coming from the adversity that happened in your life. So you weren't one of these guys that kind of, you know, stood up there with your, your Superman cape and, and talked about, <laughs> yeah, man, I, I played in the NFL. I did all this. I did all that. It was all talking about your journey after you got hurt and that adversity you went through can you talk a little bit about that because I think your story and your passion I mean dude I, I was ready to go play to, to hear your story I thought it was awesome seriously I appreciate that one let me touch on something here briefly is the idea that you do have so many former players that they they only live in that world of being a former player and I think that limits your growth and that limits uh, your ability to impact performance, impact careers, impact lives post-career. Uh, for all intents and purposes, it's, you know, what you did as a football player, look, nobody cares. It is what it is. And I'd be the first to say that I think many of the best players make for the worst coaches uh, because they really don't have a true understanding of what it was that made you who you were as a player and at some point you have to disconnect and remove the face mask and really start to see things from a broader perspective. And for me, I was forced into that, uh, to that reality due to the injury and the subsequent infection and all that type of stuff that uh, I had to deal with, but I had to make a choice. Either you're going to roll over and succumb to the situation that I was in or figure out some things that, try to get myself back together from a mental standpoint, a physical standpoint, and then maybe even potentially pursue playing football again. And through that process, number one, I learned a lot about myself. Uh, number two, I learned a lot <laughs> about the business yeah. of the National Football League and all that goes into that. So I saw the highest of highs as an athlete and also the lowest of lows. But it was through the lowest of lows that – I really was able to reverse engineer, you know, who I was as a person and who I was uh, as an athlete. And that's something that so many players and just people in general 
we don't have that opportunity to do. And if we do have that opportunity to do it, it's because of the situation that we're in and we're trying to overcome something. So, yeah, I was punched in the face and had to respond. And through that, that time, you know, learning, learning my body and understanding biomechanics and the science of, uh, of all that goes into how to build not just an offensive line athlete, but just a high-performance athlete in general. And you start to see some similarities of not just what was said about offensive line play, but more so just from the human movement perspective of how things work. Not because someone said so, not because this is someone else's opinion. It's just how things work. So when you're dealing with less, now I mean by less physically, when you remove elements uh, of yourself that made me who I was as an athlete, I began to realize that, look, for me to even walk normally, these are the things it's going to take, let alone talking about running or blocking a three technique. Let's just talk about movement. What are some of the things that I have to work on to be able to get myself back to just some semblance of a normal functioning human being? Well, once you kind of understand that, what began to happen for me is you follow down this rabbit hole and you realize that movement is movement. The body's the body. Biomechanics, be it from, from understanding just overall kinesiology and anatomy of how things work to, to physics, uh, all these things... <laughs> have a play in our everyday life. But because you put on a football helmet, it doesn't go away. If anything, those necessities, those requirements, those realities are going to be enhanced. So therefore, we have to start studying and understanding off of the line play through the sciences, where it just shows you, it shows us, more importantly, how things are supposed to go. Not because it was said or it was done 50 years ago or 20 years ago, some coach came up with this great idea that at the time seemed like a great idea. But when reality starts to sink in and we really start to have to pull away all of the layers of the onion, uh, we're left with movement. And that's all football is. And that's all offensive line play is. But with offensive line play more so than any other position, the movements are so unnatural. So the skills are learned. Everything we do is a learned skill. So once, once we grasp that, then we can appreciate that. Now it becomes about the best practices. What are the best practices and the best methods to go about ingraining these learned movement patterns? And once again, it can't be just, well, it's always been done this way, so it should remain this way. No, the game has evolved. Athletes have evolved. Uh, and we're seeing now this battle of attrition, as I like to say, where just the biggest, the fastest, and the strongest are the left lone survivors in this race uh, to develop athletes. And that's not how this thing is supposed to work, especially offensive line. Offensive line is that one position where you can be the everyday man. You can be the everyday, you can be that proverbial fat kid, so to speak. And you mm -hmm. can find you a place as an offensive line athlete. Well, now, hell, if you're not nearly uh, LeBron James, <laughs> you're, not, you're not playing left tackle anymore. <laughs> like, really? It shouldn't come to that. It shouldn't come to that, and it shouldn't be that way. So that was my long-winded way of just saying that my experiences have brought me full circle uh, to where I'm at today, and here I am now talking on the phone with you. That's awesome. Uh, before – so 
obviously you said you, you started looking into yourself uh, after the injury. I'm curious. I know you, you know, you've um, created drive catch and, and kind of um, that whole, you know, driving off the, the opposite foot, you know, so was that something that you actually thought about before the injury? Um, maybe not even in those terms, but when you were going to whatever zone, right, is that something that you were thinking yep. about driving off the left and, um, or is it something that you were forced to think about after the injury? I think it's one of those things for me that I can just only speak for myself. But uh, when you look at the broad pool of high-level athletes, uh, in particular, we'll stick with this offensive line play, they all kind of move the same. They all kind of adhere to these same rules. Whether they know it or not, they all do. And with that being said, you know, some high-level athletes, excuse me, lower-level athletes, the ones that don't reach their fullest potential, what ends up happening is they have their potential coached away and their instincts coached away. Whereas usually the highest-level performers, their instincts are still kind of intact. And also, most high-level athletes are going to be guys that, you know, when you turn the film on, you know, they're going to be the ones that play at a relatively high level. So the coach typically isn't going to bother them too much. Right. So once you kind of cross, you know, you follow what I'm saying. Yeah. Once the coach, once they kind of cross over that threshold, excuse my friends, coaches kind of leave you the hell alone. Right. So now that instinctual feel, you're able to kind of live in that world. So for me, I never understood six inch step. I told my coach, I'm not a math guy. That's not my thing. And I said, I'm not going to be sitting out here trying to block this three technique and worried about if that's going to be six inches or seven or was it five. I said, I'm not going to do that. And now, at that point, I didn't understand what it was that I was doing. But for me personally, it made more sense that if I had to go to my right really hard, well, why am I going to step with my right leg? That doesn't make much sense. What made sense to me was if I drive really hard off my left leg, then I'd set my hips on a better track so I could be more violent. And at the end of the day, that's all I wanted to do was be violent. So when you're being violent and you're playing at a high level, now you know what the coach says, don't worry about it. But to the (laughs) other athletes, to the other athletes that can't quite put it all together, it becomes a paralysis through analysis. Where now it's in their head. It has to be done this way. It's got to be done this way. And there were so many guys that were better football players than me or better athletes than me, but they just couldn't get through all of the cobwebs of all the, 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 the nonsense that they were being told. So with that, at the end of the day, for me on a personal level, as I said, is that I was able to kind of live in a very instinctual world uh, as an athlete. And you know, I guess it gives, it's just, I guess just a lot of self-confidence and I had a very good support system around me that, you know, I just kind of just did what I thought was the right thing to do. Did that mean that I was not coachable? No, I was highly coachable. I would listen to anything you told me to do, but if the shit didn't work, I wasn't going to keep doing it. <laughs> I'm sorry. That just wasn't me. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I didn't want to be embarrassed. Like, my mom would come to games. My father would come to games. My father hated football. So the last thing I wanted to do was be the kid out there getting his ass kicked, and my dad was sitting there watching his game saying, look, this like, what the hell is going on here? I ain't to watch you get beat. Yeah, exactly. I'm not paying to come watch you get your ass kicked. So I didn't want to be that guy, that kid at that time. But going through my experience, uh, I had to look at, movement differently 
my gait was changed because of the way that my uh, my knee was set up and uh, understanding locomotion and just overall how the body is supposed to move. You know, there was a period where I couldn't walk. I had to learn how to walk. And the first thing, the therapist at the time, I had to go through a therapist who specialized in just purely just biomechanics is, well, as you're walking, well, the first thing you have to understand is that you're applying force to the ground. I said, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense to me. And she says, well, but as you're walking, as you want to change directions, you have to abide by certain principles. Well, what do you mean by principles? Don't you just walk? No. If, well, if you want to go to your right, you have to drive off your left leg. Damn it. That does make sense. I never thought about it that way. But when, when you're in a situation where you're literally having to learn how to walk again, and when I want to go to my right, I have to stop and think and pause and, okay, off the left leg, push off the left leg, and now my hips begin to open up and I can start walking through a different angle. And you say, well, hold on. What about running? Isn't that the, is that, it's the same thing? Mm-hmm. Well, what, about, well, what about playing basketball? Well, it's the same thing. But well, what about offensive line play? Well, you got six and step. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on. You mean to tell me the running back that's running at that linebacker and he's going to the, to, to the right. He's running to his right, and there's a sideline. He wants to cut back to his left. He slows down. He slows down, and then he plants really hard off the right foot, and he drives off that right foot, and he changes angles, and he goes the opposite way. But no one ever tells that running back, well, nope, stop, lose ground again. <laughs> what? Nope, nope, no, nope. You got to stop and take a sit and step to your left. <laughs> that's not how movement works. That's not how – uh, the body's supposed to operate, and that's not what just high-level athletes do. And, you know, just like I said, I've just been put in a situation where I've been forced to learn some things that were more so from a very selfish perspective that was for me that I realized that, you know what, I think this can, can help a lot of kids that uh, I recall that were way better players than myself, better athletes, more physically gifted, that just didn't have the – ability to get out of their way and get out of the way of the things that they were being told they just couldn't put together. And, you know, I don't want, I don't, I don't want to keep seeing that happen. Coach, you know, uh, you, you said that a few times, and that's honestly one of the things I, I've admired about you. You know, pe- people that have, you know, maybe, you know, dressed down kids as coaches, people who aren't coaching things that, that don't make sense, you've go- gone after those guys. And I love that you do that. You know, what, what are some of your, your all-time pet peeves in coaches? Because, I mean, you, you've mentioned a couple of things so far. You know, obviously mm-hmm. I would say one of them has to be guys who aren't educated on what they're coaching. You know, hey, that's just, you know, the way I've always done it. I mean, you know, you, you got well, fired up about the guy saying, yeah, we should draft all defensive linemen because no one can coach offensive line in college anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, shit like that. I know that kind of sets you off. What, what, what's some of that? Because I know that fuels your passion, too, because you have studied this stuff and, and you do know, you know what you're talking about. The, the thing that probably gets me the most is um, and I don't even want to take this the wrong way, but it's the toughness thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm all for it. And I understand the concept of it and where, where, where it's coming from. I get it. I get it. I understand it. But I think the methods in which, how, which we go about it are a bit misguided. And I think it does more harm than good. And what ends up happening is we have a generation of young athletes that grow up to be 
young adults and older adults that get back into coaching and they bring those same practices with them and those same methods with them. And it was one of those things where, well, it was done to me, so it's got to be good for you or you got to go through it too. And then we have these traditions that are passed down from generation to generation that really aren't making anyone tougher. If anything, it's breaking young athletes. It's putting a lot of young athletes in positions where they don't want to partake in this game anymore. Uh, we're not dealing with kids that, you know, are exactly, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago, they were wired a little bit differently. You know, kids nowadays are just, they're different. And some will say, well, they're soft. Well, I, I would challenge anyone on that. I don't think kids are soft because people said my generation was soft. I don't know how old you guys are, but I'm quite <laughs> sure some, there are people that said your generation was soft as well. It happens all the time. Every generation is going to look back and say, oh, well, those kids are soft nowadays. Well, well, damn it. He said I was soft, too. And I got a 14-year-old who's my oldest. And people are saying that he's soft. I don't think he's soft, but I know that he's different. Okay? I know that they're different. And I know that these kids now live in an age where they have so much information at their fingertips. Yes. They aren't mm -hmm. stupid. Mm -hmm. And they are highly informed. Highly informed. And bullshit, they smell it a mile away. I think there was something right now going around on in the news now with, um, I think it was uh, the former coach at UCLA said about the quarterback that's coming out, that he's a millennial, quote unquote, and he wants to know why. And you got to challenge him intellectually. And I think a lot of people took that as a bad thing. Well, I think that's a good thing. I think that's great that you have young athletes that are smarter and a little bit, uh, I would say, a little bit on a higher level of thinking. But with that said, we can't take these young athletes and, and, and integrate these very barbaric and antiquated methods of, quote-unquote, building toughness. And I'll go a step further. I would say that many coaches out here that postulize the ideal of being tough, well, you ain't that goddamn tough yourself. <laughs> If you really want to be frank, now you know what's tough? What's tough to me is the mom right now that's sitting at some children's hospital because her, so her, her son or daughter is dying from cancer. That's tough. The mm -hmm. mom or, or the dad out here that's struggling to make ends meet because you know what? He just got laid off or she just got laid off and she doesn't know or he doesn't know where the next meal is going to come from for their child. That's tough. The men and women are out here serving our country, dying left and right for nonsense, in my humble opinion. That's tough. But football, blocking the three technique, I don't need you to be tough. I need you to be prepared. I need you to be <laughs> confident. I need you to be resilient. I need that. But I don't need you to be tough. Because when you talk about developing toughness in a person, at some point, you have to push that person to the brink of where you nearly or you do break them. That's how you discover what a, what a tough person is made of. You have to break them. And what's happening is we're seeing too many young athletes get broken by these methods of these, quite frankly, many people out here that aren't qualified to teach or instill toughness into a person. When that morning, what was the toughest thing you did? Did you want to have, what, cafe mocha for <laughs> breakfast or just plain black coffee? <laughs> that's probably the toughest thing that most people do. And I know for me, that's the toughest thing I did this morning. <laughs> I didn't know if I wanted my Nest Cafe or do I want to, oh, 
do I really want to ground these coffee beans? Oh, it goes so hard. Like, that was the tough thing I did today. The t- uh, I did some workouts, but it wasn't tough. Like, you know, like I said, I think that's one of the misguided things about this is that we're missing the opportunity to really develop so many young athletes on a broad level because we're chasing the wrong things. It doesn't make the kid soft because he can't run 40 freaking gassers. It doesn't make him soft. Because the last time I checked, no coach had ever ran 40 gassers with me. Are you not a tough coach? <laughs> so it's these type of things that I, I believe that in terms of the methods that we're uh, we're implementing with our young athletes that, you know, it's what are we really trying to accomplish here? You know, that's the question that you have to ask. Do we want better football players? Are we trying to build soldiers? And I understand this game has so much to offer. I don't think that we need to keep buying into these antiquated ideals on what this game is supposed to be or what a football player is supposed to be. Well, as I said, and I, I stick to this, there are so many out here that are not qualified to use a T word. You're not qualified to teach it. You're not qualified to instill it. So therefore, while we try to put square pegs in the round holes, where all we have to do is just be better coaches, be better teachers, give a kid confidence and you will see how tough he is. Build resilience and you will see how tough they are. You'll see it. But if you try to make them tough without the skills, that's like trying to build a soldier, but you don't want to give him a gun. And all you do is motherfuck him and yell at him and tell him that they're soft. But when you drop them off in a war zone, you haven't given them a weapon. So my thing is, let's give kids the weapons. Give me the gun. Give me the gun and then drop me off and let me show you what I can do. But we haven't given kids the guns. And instead, we hide behind this novel idea where you just got to be tougher. Well, great. I can be tough all day. But damn it, they're shooting at me, coach. How do I shoot back? Teach me that. Teach me survival skills. And that's what this whole thing is all about, is teaching kids survival skills. And being tough is not a prerequisite for survival. Confidence is. Skills are. And at that point, you will then see what they're made of. And frankly, as you all know very well, this game isn't for everyone. It's not. Hell, war isn't for everyone. Dealing with cancer isn't for everyone. It's not for everybody. But if you're going to be put into this situation, at least equip me the best that you can and give me the opportunity to at least defend myself and be successful without telling me that I'm not tough because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So that's my rant on that. (laughs) That's a great rant. Um, You kind of hit on, you know, how inquisitive this, if we want to say generation is, and they really are because uh, I see it all the time in coaching my offensive line. Uh, I think it was one day last year. We just weren't setting like I wanted to. And I had always taught what I was learned in college, um, you know, set with your, with your eyes to their inside number. Well, uh, that day before I had watched a uh, LaCharles Bentley video and you had talked about, um, you know, talking about the ground up, you know, set, set to their inside with, with, uh, from the up. 
And so I go yeah. to my tackle. I said, Hey, why don't you, why don't you guys try this? I was like, you guys don't have to try this out. You know, I'm trying to give him a bunch of different methods. And he, he, uh, he hits me with the, uh, Oh, did you see that on the Charles Bentley yesterday? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I saw yeah. I said, yeah, I did. He's like, yeah, I saw that too. I was like, well, good. Try it out. See if it works for you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. There, there's my point. You know, these kids nowadays are are super informed. Uh, like what my son, who's we just turned 13 a couple of days ago. I, I call him my brand manager, and <laughs> you know, he's the one that whenever I want to know, like, what's the new social media thing? Like, hey, is this cool? Will people like this? How will young athletes respond to this? And he tells me. And 99% of the time, he's spot on. Hmm. And as I said, these kids are just different. They have so much information at their fingertips. And I think for us as coaches, as teachers, you know, these are the best athletes to work with because they challenge you. I have players in my building. It's probably about five of them that make me better. What I mean by make me better is that I know that when I come in, we're not going to be talking about stance. They're going to ask me high-level questions that I have to have answers to, be it about nutrition, be it about mobility, be it about their skill acquisition, or hell, just about life in general. And I have to be prepared for those questions. And if I'm not, and I'm not of service to them. I'm doing them a complete disservice. And if you're looking for athletes that – aren't going to challenge you, that means you probably shouldn't be in this profession. You want to be surrounded by athletes that are going to push you to be better. Because if you're better, they're better. And then what makes this game better is that when these kids leave the game, they now get into a position where they're going to be pushed and they're going to push young athletes. And now they continue to have this most amazing game in the world. But if we're looking for that placeholder, the kids that are going to become the robots and do everything we tell them to do just because I told you to do it. And this is the way that it's always been done. We don't move the needle on our game. And if we're going to sit back and tell everyone that they're attacking our game, oh, our game is under attack. Oh, well, 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 let's be vigilant. Let's be vigilant. Let's get better. Let's be better. Let's move the needle forward. Let's show society Football coaches and football players aren't a bunch of low-thinking Neanderthals that we know how to mm -hmm. evolve because our kids have evolved. They sure as hell have. So I think our coaches, we need to continue to challenge ourselves to do better and be better. And the more we can be better, the more that we can do to help these kids be better, I think we really position ourselves for something very special uh, in the near future with not just this game but with society in general. Coach, what do you think are some foundational things you can do with your, your offensive linemen to, to make them better? You know, for some of our listeners out there who are maybe just kind of new to the ball game, you know, what are the deficiencies you see in a lot of the younger players you guys got, and what are some foundational things and places they can start? First thing I would say is this, is just work on stance. Something as rudimentary as stance uh, is the foundation of everything with this overall skill set of offensive line play. I say that stance itself is a specialized skill. And what I mean by specialized skill is anything that has to be taught is a specialized skill, which if you look at a deadlift, 
a deadlift that you think, oh, you're just picking up weight. No, it's not because it begins with a specialized skill. And that specialized skill is the stance. You don't just go pick up 500 pounds off the ground. You go through, you set your feet, you brace your spine, you bend down, you torque the elbows back, you breathe, you lift up, get a little stretch of the hamstrings, come back down, boom, you pull the bar off the ground. That's a good posture, a good pose, good skill to have developed for you to execute a proper deadlift. It's the same thing with every single specialized movement. A deadlift would be an example. Even a bench press would be an example. Obviously, an Olympic lift would be an example. And then more so, off of the line play is another example because you have to go through that process of establishing your pose, your position of work first. But that takes time. It takes time to develop it. It takes time for you to feel confident and knowledgeable on what it is and how it's helping you as an athlete. And I think that that's something that is boring as hell to do. It doesn't make you seem like uh, a very knowledgeable coach to be around. Just, all right, give me 10 stand setups. And the kids are like, all right, here we go again. But that's the first thing that you lose as an athlete is when you get into these high-stress environments, you lose that number one element that allows you to express your movement, which is ultimately going to be your performance. So I think that if we can continue to hammer that element, uh, it, that's, that's critical. And then secondarily, I think from a training perspective, you know, I'm not a big you know, heavyweight guy. If you're strong and you can lift, move heavyweight effectively, efficiently, and it's clean, hey, let's, let's, let's do it. But I'm not a big, you know, you need to lift X, Y, or Z to be strong. But I do believe that you have to be strong, uh, what's called relative strength. So I think that the best way I go about doing that is body weight exercises. You know, I see so many young athletes that you, know, you can, great, it's great that you can bench press 300 pounds, but you can't do a dip. You can't do a pull-up. Oh, okay. That doesn't make much sense. If you can't control your own body, how are you going to control anyone else's? And that's the fundamental principle of offensive line play is that you're trying to move your body as effectively, efficiently as you can to now crash into another person's to now move their body against their will. But if you can't do a pull-up and you can't control your weight, that means that you can't effectively and efficiently move your mass. If you can't do a dip, you can't do a proper push-up, you can't do a proper body weight squat, that means that you can't move your mass effectively, which ultimately over the long term sets the stage for injury down the road. Mm -hmm. So we mask it with heavy weight. Oh, yep. he just best pressed 315, but his elbows are freaking touching his ears because <laughs> his elbows are so freaking flared that his elbows are up near the earlobes. Oh, he did it. Great. Awesome. But now he goes on to the football field and he's dealing with pressure and he's passing off a TE and now, boom, he blows his shoulder. Hmm. Well, we could have began and laid the foundation of keeping our athletes healthy by pulling back and dialing back on the weight. You don't have to focus on doing everything heavy and fast and, uh, you know, a lot of noise and loud music. You know, you get the most work and the best work done, I think, in my opinion, is just having the players pay, pay attention to the detail, feeling your body, feeling your movements. And I know it sounds like some yoga type shit, and it's not. <laughs> it's just understanding that 
there's a time and a place for you to, you know, they, my son says you got to turn up or be lit, as whatever they call it nowadays. That there's a time and a place for that, but you can't live in that environment in terms of your performance and your preparation. You can't live in that environment every single day because by the time that you need it, you need that stimulus to get yourself going for a high performance. It's not going to be there. So those are the two things I think what I, I would I would focus on the most. You first you hit on stance and, and something that's cool for me, um, and I'm sure it's got to be uh, really exciting for you is I see some of these videos on Twitter and different things, and mm-hmm. and you see a bunch of guys getting into what you know what I would call the the Charles Bentley stance. I mean it's got a definite. Mm-hmm. You can tell guys are getting into the stance that you've been teaching, and it I would assume mm-hmm. it'd be kind of exciting for you to see some of these high school kids that are whatever your feelings are about one-on-ones without pads, but that doesn't matter. Just seeing them get into those stances before those one-on-ones that they have, or it's got to be pretty cool to see, you know, some of these young guys doing that. I would be lying if I tell you that every time I see it, my heart doesn't flutter a little bit. No, I I would be lying (laughs) if I told you that that's not the truth. No, it does because I know that somewhere, somehow, you know, somebody's listening and whether you agree with it or not, uh, it's getting through. And as I said, it's been a slow go, but things have really taken off here. And we're seeing so many young athletes be better, be better football players and impacting lives on a very unique and special uh, level. And yes, it does make you feel good. And I'm very proud of that. And I'm just, you know, but it's also another element of it where I don't, and I'm very cautious of, Anything that we do, anything that we believe in, this isn't a fad. Like you remember that the, the things that come, a lot of the things that come into our world or into our community as offensive line, you know, it's not a fad. Well, this is the thing for now. And then next week, or next year, it'll be something else. So so and so got this new thing, and then we'd be doing something new. Right. No, <laughs> I don't want that to become something where this time next year or two years from now, oh, we got something new again. Uh, because as I said, this isn't a fad. This isn't the new thing. I don't have another DVD to sell next year. I'm sorry. Once I give you volume one, that's it. There's <laughs> volume two, volume three. I'm done. Uh, but with that, as I said, that's the element that, you know, I'm very cautious of is making sure that you know, people understand why this is important. And once you give them the why, now it doesn't go away. If I can just tell you to do this, great. You do it because so many other people are doing it. But if you never connect to why you're doing it, it's useless. And here we are right back to where we were in the beginning. And I don't want that. And that's why we work very hard to continue to provide the knowledge base and to explain why it's supposed to be done this way, why this is effective. Because once an athlete has the why, once a coach has the why, they don't go away from it. It just becomes a part of the process. It just becomes a part of just the fabric of this game. And that doesn't go anywhere. But a fad, you know, it comes, it goes. Next year, somebody else will have something else and call it a double entendre. And then everybody will be doing that now. So it'll be that. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> I've been through a few of those uh, different ones running through when I was playing. Um, You're right. You remember. <laughs> well, I had a coach come in one year, and 
<laughs> double unders, double unders. <laughs> oh, man. He had a call. And he came in and was so excited. Oh, I just got back from this show. Everybody's doing this thing. And I'm like, oh, let's go. What is it? Give it to us. <laughs> and he said, we're going to do this and this. And then we're going to lift them up. And I said, this is what you brought back? <laughs> Okay. Oh, Do you not see our three technique? He's three freaking forty. <laughs> <laughs> I said, look, this isn't a curling competition, coach. Like, are you serious? Yeah, he was that serious. Grab him by the belt. Say, he didn't last very long. Yeah. That's it. That's all you got to do. Uh-huh. I was, we were in, uh, I was my freshman year at Houston and, and our coach came in. I think he went to one of the, one of the clinics and that's what he brought in. We're going to grab him by the belt loop and, and lift him up. And I, as soon as he said that, I was like, yeah, that's not going to work. Wasn't going to work for me. <laughs> it might work for other people. It wouldn't work for me. I said, yeah, coach, we got a line for Larry Allen. We can do whatever <laughs> you exactly want. exactly right. <laughs> Last time I checked, I'm not Larry Allen. The guy playing next to me sure as hell ain't Larry Allen. So we are screwed. That's right. Well, I, I know you, you you train a couple of offensive linemen every year that are that are working up to the draft. And, and last year you had a guy out of Ohio State, um, and, and I think he plays center now uh, for the Vikings. But I remember getting to watch him. Uh, and when I was in college still, he was, he was too, he was a sophomore junior at Ohio state and we had some okay. similar team that we were playing. And I was like, that guy's going to be the real deal. And, and it was mm-hmm. kind of cool now seeing him get to now he's being a center at, at the Vikings and doing a great job, yeah. but, but kind of coming to it was, um, is there a certain way do you, do you train centers? And I, cause I know you are a center as well. Is there mm-hmm. a certain way that you have to coach them differently than, guards and tackles or is it still kind of all comes back to the same general movements that you started yeah. with with the other guys yeah the movements are the movements the training is the, the training so in terms of the concepts of how we go about it you know it's pretty much uh, it's pretty much the same concepts we don't deviate too much but i will say for centers we probably do a bit more lunges single leg work uh, because getting the hips into extension and the flex position is key and getting and feeling how to do that effectively and efficiently is uh, is pivotal for this position because you're working in so such small spaces. And even with just like the drive catch itself, you know, you can't drive catch as a center because of right. how your feet are starting. Because if you drive catch as a center, you're going to drive off your left leg. If you're going to your right, you're going to drive off your left leg and you're going to just end up being really flat. And that's not the world you want to live in as a center. So we have the drive pull. So as you drive off your left leg, you got to get that right hip into extension, thus lunges and things of that nature uh, that gets you really comfortable you know, and stable and strong in that particular position. So that's one of the things that is different uh, in terms of pass protection. You know, the, the marriage of the elbows and hips is key for centers, once again, because you're working with such small spaces and your angles are so sharp uh, that you have to be very efficient in your movements. A tackle can get away with, you know, sometimes that left hand being a bit outside the frame and then you got enough time to kind of work it back to where it needs to be if the right arm is where it needs to be you kind of finagle it and kind of get the left hand back and still have a a good block but if you're a center and you got that left arm outside the frame you're screwed 
So right. you, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a world of hurt. And you oh, you're gonna work really hard to not be as good as you can, and it really is gonna show up more so than with someone like a tackle or even with guards at times. But just being more efficient as a center, I think, is uh, one of the key things that we focus on. Do we do anything differently? No. Also, as I said, with the lunges, that's something that we focus on. That's from just a movement standpoint, that's a bit different. But probably inside the building, you know, I am very particular of how our centers work and their movement more so than others. And this isn't because, you know, I'm not paying attention to what other people are doing. I know there's always going to be some shades of gray. You know, there's going to be allowed with the tackles, even with the guards at times. But with centers, I demand that everything is right. Because if it's wrong in training, it's going to be way wrong on the goal line. It's going to be way wrong when you got a front side cutoff and your right guard leaves you. (laughs) And all of a sudden, you got this guy by yourself. It's going to be way wrong. And the way that teams are now – uh, position, you're seeing the value of good centers continue to increase. And if you can be a good center in today's game, you can make a hell. Western Richburg, one of our guys, is got, I don't know, 45 million bucks or whatever something. Uh, like, not that's like monopoly money in the NFL. <laughs> don't really count. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really count. It sounds good to say it, but it doesn't really count. But nonetheless, nonetheless, they paid him a lot of money uh, to to do what he does very well. So, Anywho, I think the efficiency uh, is important to really just hammer with the centers and making sure they do things uh, the right way and understanding the drive pull versus the drive catch. The way that we really simplify it is for a center is you're going from playing center to a right guard if you're sliding right. You're going from center to playing left guard if you're sliding to your left. So once you get into that drive pull, you should look like you're really a guard on either side of the football uh, at that point and then now. Just play. And then the run game, you make sure that everything that you're doing is just as efficient as possible. And you don't want any lag with those elbows. Elbows get outside the frame, you're going to be in trouble. So make sure things are tight and right. And you're driving through the hips, everything's good. When, you, when you've got that tight shade to your snap hand, um, you know, <laughs> protecting yourself with your off hand, are you, do yeah. you ever, are they able to? you know, reach across their body to protect themselves with that offhand? Or is that something where you're giving up your shoulder too much? I don't know if that, that makes would, sense as a question. No, but. no, I hear you. I hear you. I would prefer if I'm going to my right and like my backhand, my backhand is my strong hand. And that's the hand that I really want to make sure that I get inside of that breastplate, at least to the outside uh, or to the outside of his inside uh, shoulder. So I wanted that's going to ultimately control the defender and it's going to allow me to work my hips on that angle. But I think before we get to that part, uh, I really like to focus on with our centers is the, the drive phase. Hmm. And this is, something that, <laughs> this is something that, you know, never ceases to amaze me where a guy calls and say, well, coach is on me because he keeps telling me I got to throw my head across. And I'm like, great, you ever see a zebra uh, fight a giraffe? And he's like, what do you mean? I said, exactly. It doesn't make any sense. So, <laughs> I said, it doesn't make any sense. And I said, this is the same thing here. And I said, I understand the idea of what they're telling you to do, 
But I believe that if you get a defender to blink, what I mean by ball, you hit us in the face, and he blinks, you can eventually work your hips and your head to where it needs to be. But mm-hmm. if you don't come off the ball and you don't make me blink, if you don't get someone like Aaron Donald to blink when you come <laughs> off the ball and you're trying to get your head across him and you don't bring your hips with you, you are going to be in a world of hurt. So with that said, the key is still that force through the ground, making sure if I'm going to my right, that you're driving hard as hell off of that left leg to get your hips on that track. So then when you do meet contact, you're bringing some power, some thump with you. And then at that point, yes, we can start working the head where it needs to be. But I want to get that defender moving first because we can't forget he's exploding upfield. And if the first thing we're doing is trying to cut him off with our necks, a neck has never blocked anyone. <laughs> we tell kids all the time, since the time you play pop one football, you block people with your hips. Have we not? That's, mm-hmm. not? that's what everyone says. You block people with your hips. Fine. Why are you telling me to throw my head across, coach? It doesn't make much sense. And then I, won't, I don't really want to have to get into all of the, you know, the research behind versus what's called internal versus external coaching cues where research has shown that for an athlete, an external coaching cue is more effective for them. So let's think about a broad jump, right? So I got a broad jump, and I'm trying to jump from point A to point B. Well, if I tell you, hey, jump and just think about kicking your feet out really hard. Okay, you'll jump and you'll kick your feet out really hard and you won't go nearly as far if I told the person coming behind you, hey, when you jump, drive the earth away from you Hmm. and with power, with violence. And you know what happens? Now the athlete is focused on an external element, meaning the earth. Now he's thinking about or she's thinking about driving the earth violently away. So boom, now you go flying as far as you can. But when I tell a kid, Hey, kick your knees or kick your feet out. Now they're focused on a body part. And a body part doesn't allow you, focusing on a body part, from a coaching cue perspective, doesn't allow the athlete to generate as much force. This isn't me saying this. This is research. It's been researched. You guys can look it up. It's all out there for you to see it. So why are we giving athletes cues that are not going to put them in the best position to play with power now if i tell an athlete get your head across they're not going to focus on that one thing which is getting their head across but if i tell an athlete drive off that left leg push the freaking turf all the way to the damn sideline and get your hips on the track and make his ass blink you think you're going to get a different result you're damn right you're going to get a different result not just (laughs) because i said so but because there's been a lot of research into how athletes process information and the external versus internal coaching cues are critical especially for sports or activities where power strength are required when you're looking to generate force external internal coaching cues 
there's a difference. And you have to understand how we're coaching our athletes in order to achieve optimal performance. Coach, I know a couple of the, the coaching cues I picked up from, from your clinic was, you know, in the weight room. I loved how you're able to kind of, you know, mold the weight room to the field. But you talked a lot about when you step under the bar or you step up to do a lift, having focus and intent. And to mm-hmm. me, that, that, to me, that was beautiful just because, you know, it carries over into a kid's stance, right? Mm-hmm. I got to be focused. I'm going to move with intent. You know, what, what's my, you know, my job? And you just talk about that for a center. But maybe talk a little bit more about how, you, you know, you, you teach that in the weight room and how that can carry over to a lot of kids on the field. Because, honestly, it's done wonders for me just being able to, to tell the kid, hey, focus and intent here, and they get yep. the job done. Oh, that's a great question. It's, it's very simple. You just demand excellence from everything they do. With our athletes, they're, you know, the highest level athletes, you know, in the world of their respective uh, sport, you know, you don't pick up a weight without knowing why you're picking up. Or you're not picking up a weight just for the sake of just picking up a weight. You're picking up with some intent. And that's the same thing that you're going to do as an, on, the, on the football field is I hope you are going to just throw your hands because you're just trying to throw your hands. I hope you're going to throw your hands to put your hands – through a defender's chest. I don't want you to put your hands to the numbers. I want you to drive his numbers from the front to the back. But you can't just coach that on the field. You have to develop that in the weight room. Thus, isn't that the point of training? (laughs) Well, what do we spend all this time in the weight room for? Like, what are we doing? Like, that should be the point of training is to prepare you for Actual performance, as I said, you remember we talked about a little while ago about the idea of you want these guys to go to war and be tough, but you want to give them a damn gun. Well, mm-hmm. the weight room is where you get your guns, and that, that's the armory. That's where the bullets, that's where everything is at. And if you're going to demand these aspects from me, that's where it has to start. It just can't start in two days. just can't start in spring ball. It has to start in the weight room. It doesn't start with yelling and screaming and everything being high intensity, but there's a time for that. Trust me, I enjoy that myself, but there's a time for it. But when we're trying to teach these athletes how to go about doing things the right way, you know, a kid shouldn't be under a squat rack holding a conversation, you know, or Mm -hmm. I know nowadays, I know like my son, you know, he's starting to train and, and trying to get into some things now and, it's like, dude, you know, do you want to play Fortnite or do you want to lift weights? <laughs> like, you know, like, if you're going to play Fortnite, go freaking play Fortnite and, and enjoy that. But if you're going to do this, you got to be focused on this. Like, you know, I, there's no cell phones in the weight room. You're, you're going to have a cell phone on the field with you. You're going to be checking your Twitter on the field. No, you're not. <laughs> so let's focus on what we have to focus on. I think that's something, you know, once again, when you're dealing with young athletes, and you can explain that to them of how important the weight room is to their development, they will then begin to take ownership of it. But if the weight room becomes that punishment, that proverbial punishment, where this is what you have to do because I'm telling you to do it, then they're not going to want to do it. But if you can connect their mind to the weight room and connect the weight room to the performance, now you're going to get a completely different result. Once I told my son, no, man, like you're going to be able to really like mess people up. If you get strong, you're like, really? I'm like, yeah, like really bad. It's like, really? I'm like, yeah, way more than you think you're good at Fortnite. You'd be really good at this. And you know what he does? When he focuses, now, Brad, I only got my 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, only, 
I only got about 45 minutes to get what I need to get. But even my elite guys, we don't train any more than an hour 15, hour 20. Mm-hmm. That's all you're going to get. So if it gets beyond that, I mean, these are guys that are making a living doing this. Once we get past that hour, I can see it in their faces like, oh, how much longer we got, big dog? <laughs> so you have to, you have to kind of understand, yes, that's the world that we live in. And that's why I always preach quality over quantity anyway. Coach, with, with as much knowledge, obviously, as you have in the weight room with the offensive mm-hmm. line, with football, um, I'm kind of curious – with your son, as he comes up, and, and I'm sure plays sports, even if it's not football, but as he plays mm-hmm. sports, and, and a lot of dads kind of have this go through this internal issue, how much do you, you know, try to coach him up? And then how much do you kind of let him, you know, learn from his coaches, if you will? You know, what, what's that mm-hmm. balance that you try to find with that? Well, that's a good man. Oh, boy, it's funny you say that. <laughs> then, <laughs> wow, man. <laughs> funny you say that. I, uh, I've been going through it. I'm not going to lie. I've been going through it with, you know, with my son. And, you know, he's a – my oldest is, you know, his first year was his past year, and he wanted to play offensive line. And he went out and got, like, my old high school number. So it was like, oh, look at this. This is pretty cool. So it made me feel good as a dad. And you know, there are some things that the coach was doing that I didn't wholly agree with. But I didn't say a word. I didn't say a word. I didn't say a word. I just watched from afar. I didn't want to be that – you know, the helicopter dad that was, you know, three feet away from the drills and what they were doing. I probably stood, you know, 20, 20, 30 yards away watching from a distance. And the only thing that I tell my son is this, whatever he tells you to do, I really don't give a damn. But I said, the one thing I need you to do is you better go fight somebody. (laughs) That's all I care about. You know, whatever he's going to teach you, it is what it is. Because look, yeah, I learned some things that, that didn't quite make sense that, what I know now comparative to, to what I was taught then. But I did know this, that if I would just try really hard and fight people, it probably will work out pretty good. And that's what I try to give my son is, look, you know, I think there are different ways to do it. Hey, here's a free subscription to your website. Go on the website and you learn some stuff, but I'm not going to necessarily tell you. I may bring him into the facility. He may sit around and watch some of the guys train and do some things. But I try my best to allow his coaches be coaches. And I put myself in their shoes. If it were me, uh, I would want that same respect. Uh, But I'm still his father, and I want what's best for my son. But as long as they're not doing anything that's going to hurt him, per se, I don't care. You know, if you want him to be in a narrow stand, matter of fact, you want him to turn his feet in, that's fine, whatever. You want to walk like a duck, whatever. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. If that's what you want him to do, make sure everybody's doing it. The only thing I'm going to ask of my son is just do it the best that you can and be violent when you play the game and do the best that you can and, you know, and try to enjoy it. That's great to hear. That's great info. And, and then I'll be going through that, you know, here in the next 10, 15 years. So that's, that's uh, good stuff that I need to hear as well. Um, uh, I know you just you just released your book. That's what I'm excited about. Um, I just ordered it today because I think it was the first day it came out um, digitally. Oh, so I've got it. So, uh, but what I noticed okay. was I think it was under like uh, self help. It was it was under a category that I kind of wasn't expecting. So, um, you know, just kind of run through with with our listeners and maybe even with me because I'm excited to read it. 
Oh, mm-hmm. what, what's in the book? What, you know, what are you talking about? It obviously it's not just about football and an offensive line. If it's in, you know, some of those other categories. Right. It's, it's my story, so to speak, is what's got me to this point. And I think that's something that is something that people needed to know. It's, you know, I think it's disingenuous for me to, 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 uh, sit here and tell coaches or people in general that you got to be better and you got to do better and you know we got to give back to the game that's given us so much and yeah it all sounds good but I think <laughs> I got to be more I got to be honest I got to be open I have to tell you who I am I got to tell mm-hmm. you my truth and if I can't be vulnerable in front of people that I want to listen. I want them to listen to what I'm trying to say. And I want them to adhere to some of these things and, and take these back to their kids and implement these elements into their programs, or even into their lives or whatever it may be. But damn it, I have to be honest. I would be a complete fraud uh, to sit back in, you know, in this catbird seat, so to speak, and, you know, and just kind of sprinkle these blueberries of goodness around the world and just expect people to just, you know, eat the shit with whipped cream. Like, no. <laughs> hey, you know, like, hey, I'm messed up too. I've made some very bad mistakes. I've been in a very dark and many dark places. I've been hurting. Uh, I've been in places spiritually that, you know, I'm very ashamed of looking back on it. I've been weak. I've been, I've been, I've been not tough. I've been not tough. I've faltered. I've lost my faith. I've lost my way. I've dealt with addictions. I've dealt with all of the stuff that many people out here are going through and many coaches are going through this. And I firmly believe that part of the reason why we have such a hard time with this community and just in football in general, we have so many people that are hurting and so many broken people that are getting into something that they think is going to make them feel better. But in reality, it's not the best thing for them. Because if you're going to get back into coaching, you're going to be around people, you have to be ready for that emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Holistically, you have to be in a right, sound mind, body, soul to really give and pour into a person. And what I'm seeing is a lot of coaches are, you know, playing this tough role and, you know, trying to make kids into something that they're not or something that they wish they were. And what all I'm trying to do is do this story and through this book is say hey look guys this is me this is who i am and some people don't like me and i don't give a damn but at the same time this is who i am this is my story these are the things that i struggle with many of the things that you're struggling with in your life right now i've dealt with it this is how i overcame it this is what i continue to do and continue to struggle with and i think the more honest and open i can be I think hopefully, or I'm hopeful that it allows people to be like, you know what? Oh, okay. I get it. It isn't just me. There are some really people out here that are doing some really cool things or people that you think got all their life together that really don't, <laughs> really don't. And I was one of those people and I've been there. I still struggle with elements throughout life on a day-to-day basis that I work to overcome. I still have deep personal insecurities and issues and, and family issues and uh, things that you, you, I deal with. And at the end of the day, I'm human. I think that's one thing that, you know, we all can relate to is struggle. We all can relate to pain. We can all relate to suffering. You may not like drive catch. I don't care. It is what it is. <laughs> I'll tell you this. 
I'll tell you this, if your wife tells you tomorrow that she's leaving you, you're going to be hurt and you're going to need somebody to help you talk you through that. You're going to mm-hmm. need somebody around you that can support you. That is a fact. And that's just the world and that's life. And that's where we are as a society. And the more that people can know about me on a personal level, I feel that it will make things that much more palatable for where I'm coming from. You will read it and you'll say, oh, I get why he's batshit crazy. I get it. I get, I get why he is the way that he is. And I had to give people my why. Why I wake up in the morning and I do what I do. And it's not because uh, I'm chasing something that, you know, is going to make me feel better about me. Because I've been there in terms of the highest level in the world. I've been there. And I'm not trying to get back to some level of fame and glory to make me feel good about who I am and where I'm at in life. It's just I really want to see people do better and be better. And I think if we have the power as coaches and teachers to impact the future generations of this country and of this world, then this coolest thing called football, then let's do it the right way. Well, I think that's, I think that's huge. And, and I think, you know, the coolest part and what I'm excited to read is, is I think that a lot of times you start doing things that, like you said, you're not proud of and, and you start thinking, mm-hmm. man, that's what losers do. That's what guys that aren't any good do. <laughs> right. That's what, you know, that's what, that's for losers. And that's what I am. And then right. it's, it's nice to see someone that you see as successful and you say, oh, oh, they, they struggled with these same things and they got out of it. And, you know, they're, it's not a loser that does this, you know, it's just people that do this sometimes. And this is how they got out. Man, it's the human element. We're some weird, messed up creatures. And (laughs) we do some weird, messed up things to each other. And we do some weird, messed up things to ourselves more so. And, you know, I think as you said, yeah, we've all done things or doing things or struggling with elements in our life that we're just not proud of. And we can't project that onto other people. You know, one of my youngest, you know, he's um, three. And, you know, whenever he messes up something, he wants to go hit somebody else for (laughs) what he messed up. And it's like, dude, you can't do that. And that's what we see with society. You see a lot of people that are just hurrying that they want to lash out at, somebody at the grocery store or this guy that just cut me off or whomever it may be, or the kids at practice because your wife is mad at you, you know, or because you have a bill that's late and you know that you're probably not going to be able to pay that bill. And now you're going to practice with your ass on your shoulders because you're mad because of something (laughs) that had nothing and has nothing to do with the kids you're going to be impacting. And so now the first kid that comes up to a drill and messes the drill up, now you tell everybody they got up-downs because mm-hmm. you're pissed and you mm-hmm. want to make yourself feel better. And I know there's some coaches out here like, I wouldn't do that. Well, there are people that do do that. And we know this. We know it. We see it in the grocery store. Yeah. Somebody just, you know, a cashier is like, who, who, who pissed in your cornflakes? <laughs> and, and, and as coaches and teachers, we aren't immune to that. Every day that I go into my facility, and there's a, a door that you have to go through to get from the lobby area and the offices into the back where the actual training part is. I say a little small prayer to myself as I go out. And I always just ask one simple thing. Let me leave what's dealing, what I'm dealing with behind these doors. That's it. That's mm-hmm. all I know. That's all I want. So I know when I cross over and I go into that other world with my athletes is that I'm not bringing – my problems with my wife and 
I'm not bringing the problems with, you know, whomever or whatever it may be. Maybe I didn't sleep good the night before. Maybe my son pissed me off. Maybe my wife is pissed off about something that has nothing to do with me. Maybe my mother and my wife is beefing up something, <laughs> and I'm in the middle of it. I, I can't bring that <laughs> into yeah, – that really does happen, chronic pain still. But anyway, <laughs> I can't bring that into the facility. And so, anywho, this book is just simply about uh, kind of showing people that, you know, I'm not exactly uh, a saint and I've never tried to position myself as that. But one thing I've never done is I've never, I've never said, I don't like talking to people. Like, I'm sitting here now and I'm talking to y'all and I'm like, we just sitting there <laughs> talking like, you know, three friends and it's like, it's cool. But if you know me from 15 years ago, 10 years ago, I'm not exactly a social butterfly. I don't really, you know, let people into my world. And so for me to get to this point in my life where uh, I feel comfortable enough in my own skin and, and, and confident enough in myself uh, to give people who I am, you know, I feel pretty good about that on many different, different levels. Oh, I think that's that's pretty much exactly what you've been you've been saying. You know, there's there's a lot of guys out there who you'd said coaches aren't equipped. You know that that's the number one thing, man. If 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 your life's a mess and and you're bringing that with you, you're not equipped to be to be helping out young people. You know, you need to be working mm-hmm. on yourself first. So, I think the book's a, a tremendous idea. I'm excited to to hop into it. I think you're going to help a lot of coaches out. You know, if nothing else, at least it, it helps them take an internal look at themselves. And I think ultimately, yeah, you're going to become a better coach. Uh, I hope so. And that's ultimately what this thing about. And as I said, you may not understand, I may not wholly agree with anything else that we say, but I think with people, there's always going to be, okay, if you're black, white, purple, brown, there's that common meeting ground of just humanity. And if we can just meet there, and I, mm-hmm. I, can, I can get you on drive catch. That's easy. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I can get you that. I can get you on eight angles. I can get you on a pressure. I can, eh, that shit is easy. But <laughs> at some point, we kind of just kind of meet halfway on this humanity thing and understand that, no, I'm not trying to tell you uh, necessarily that, you know, I'm not telling anyone that they're stupid. I'm not trying to tell anyone that, you know, all the things that, we believe, well, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm telling you that the things have been wrong. Yes, I am saying that. I'm saying that there's a, a better way that we can go about doing this. And I don't mean to be a, uh, you know, the, the Debbie Downer in this thing, <laughs> but it just kind of is what it is. And I know I've you know, early on in this thing, and you know, a lot of people that uh, I guess you could say I've rubbed the wrong way and continue to rub the wrong way. But those people, I'm going to rub the wrong way anyway. Mm-hmm. And at, it doesn't matter what I say, yeah. what I do, or how I go about it. You can't please everyone. And regardless of where we go over the next 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, there will always be someone that says, I don't care. I'm doing it this way. Kids should be in neutral feet stances. Fine. <laughs> do it that way. That's what makes you feel good. But we have to take a step back and say, am I doing this because what's best for me or what's best for the athlete? And if I can just, as I said, if I can get a coach to blink mm-hmm. the same way, mm-hmm. I was very proud of myself when I get that nose guard's ass to blink and think twice before he come back to that line of scrimmage, if I can at least get a coach to blink and think about what they're doing, I've done my job. 
And whether or not you do come back to the line of scrimmage and keep doing the shit that you believe in or not, doesn't matter. At least that seed has been planted at some point, be it today, tomorrow. Hopefully the fruit of it will be different. Well, Coach, this has been, I mean, this has been awesome. It's been a crash course, uh, a majors course in, in uh, you know, football, but even outside of football. So we could talk for hours, but, but we want to oh, yeah. respect your time. Uh, the, the last question I, I kind of ask everybody, and I'm really excited to ask you about, is, is um, you're watching an offensive line on film as a whole group. What's, what's something they'd be doing that would make you think really highly of their offensive line, Coach? Whew. Stance. Stance. <laughs> Stance. Uh, we watched the end zone copy that is consistent. And I don't mean I don't care if it's the stance that we believe in or the stance that, you know, well, I will say the stance that is right or the stance that you believe in as a coach. Okay? And I'll just be fair with this. It doesn't matter. As long as it's consistent. If the left tackle's doing it, the left guard your center, your right guard, your right – as long as it's consistent, that tells me at least your athletes are buying into what you're selling. Mm-hmm. Whether they believe it or not, <laughs> they're buying into it because there's far too many times we'll turn, especially NFL games, <laughs> to cluster <laughs> where you turn the game on and you watch the end zone copy and you will see five different stances. But what blows my mind is that O-line coaches, the first thing that we preach is consistency. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first thing. Oh, we got to be consistent. We got to be consistent. Consistency, consistency, consistency. That's that magical word that we're all looking for is consistency. But you can't possibly have consistency if I see five different players doing five different things. That means that you aren't teaching anything. You're all over the place. So if I see five different things that I may or may not agree with, at least I know we have a foundation where at least that coach is teaching something. Just You got something. And your kids are buying into it. And I think that that's the hallmark of at least the foundation of a coach that's doing or taking steps to do what he believes is the best by his or her players. But when I hear coach talk all this about consistency and toughness and blah, 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 and blah, 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 and I see five different damn stances, I'm like, dude, you need to clean up your house first. <laughs> That's right. And clean up your own house. If you can't clean up your own house, you can't be out here talking about how, you know, littered society is. Like, dude, I, I just stopped by your house. Your front yard was a mess. <laughs> and so that's the first thing that to answer your question is, is yes, that's the thing that, you know, it, it, it speaks. It, <laughs> your stands like your kids. When people see your kids, they meet your kids. You have a good foundation, a good idea, kind of, you know, what kind of parent you are. But what goes on? In your house, if I bring my kid, my kids over to your house, and they're standing on your furniture, I can guarantee you that that's not the first time they stood on furniture. They do it at my house too. Don't make it right, but you know then and there that man, this dude LB got his kids tripping. Like, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> so the same thing with your 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 athletes. You know, they're gonna tell all this going on in your meeting room yep. without you saying anything. 
by how they look on film and not from a performance standpoint, but from just a pure standpoint of how they line up. If you got five different guys doing five different things, that tells me you aren't teaching anything. And there's that. I got to ask one more question. When, when do we have the, uh, the, uh, the OLP speed ladders? When are those coming out? Oh, those are coming out the, four, the, oh, the 14th of February. The 14th of February. They'll be available on the website. Uh, you can call the hotline. It's 555 no effing way. But, uh, <laughs> but we do have, we do have, and I just finished, uh, it's funny, we were talking now. I just finished my second book. <laughs> <laughs> just finished it, and that's yeah, man. This this is actually the O line book that people probably thought that I was gonna give and then and, and drop on the first first go round, but uh, we just finished it. I just got the cover done today. In fact, got the cover done, and uh, just sent it off to the to the copy editor, and got all of that back. All my T's were crossed and my eyes were dotted, so I felt pretty good about that. I can finally spell some words correctly, so got that back and. I'm very uh, excited about this book because this is the one that gives all of the details and the principles and outlines exactly you know, how we feel that offensive line athletes should be developed. And once again, it's not a technical book. It's not a book for you know, schematics. It's a movement book. And I'm very proud of it. And it's been a lot of work uh, put into it and a lot of research. And so this is probably going to be done, done. And I think, well, I have to ask Brian. He does all that. He tells me what to do and when to do it. So I think we're coming out with this one in the next two weeks, two, three weeks. I think this one will be, be out. And oh, man. I'm excited. I'm That's excited. That's going to be so awesome. one that, Sweet. Yeah, this is the one that people were looking for. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> this is the one that – and as I said, I'm very excited about it. And once this one comes out, I'll probably be, you know, we'll be talking again. But um, this right. is it, man. So, I'm, like I said, you, you guys are the first to know that this book is actually done. All <laughs> right. Yeah. The book on the way. Yeah. So, hey, hey, I just gave you guys some breaking news, man. Damn. Oh, there we go. We're, Let's drop we're it. We're the real deal now. <laughs> yeah, man. Just get, yeah. So, you guys are the first people to know outside of anybody inside the walls of a lot of performers and my wife. Now you guys know. So, All right. Uh, well, we rock and rolling. That's awesome. We're excited. And obviously, you can also go to your website and, and subscribe. And I know Walls does that. Um, yep. And, and uh, you know, find all that, a lot of the movement stuff on, on your website as well. Um, you know, monthly fee, really small monthly fee. And, and get all that same, uh, a lot of that information on, on there on video as well. And then I was also going to say, me and Walls have, have visited a bunch of uh, schools lately, at Iowa State. Uh, Missouri, Texas, and you see uh, the Charles Bentley stuff everywhere at those places as well. And first thing you do, all the offensive linemen, line coaches uh, huddle together, and they're all looking at uh, all looking at your gear. So uh, it's made a, made a big impact. And then every time I go get on the uh, kickboard and, and I start trying to do mm-hmm. kick slides or uh, drive catch on it, so uh, uh, uh-huh. it's pretty fun. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I'm glad that you know we keep moving the needle and. I'm also proud that, like you said, people like yourselves and Conrad and JR, old JR Conrad. Yeah, and everyone JR. This, yeah, everyone in this community has really, you know, the game and, and the, the, what's going to be with this game is going to be not me, 
It's not going to be solely me. It's not going to be solely the people here at O-Line Performance. It's going to be people like yourself, people like JR, and this entire community of offensive line enthusiasts that care. And as long as we keep pushing this, this envelope of development and developing people and developing athletes, I think we really are sitting on something special and unique that has never taken place inside of any sport, any sport where you see this type of like-minded, homogenized mentality of people, be it men and women that are working not just here domestically, but internationally to all achieve the same goals. And man, it's exciting. It's awesome. I'm proud to be a part of it. And I'm really hoping that this continues to go for many, many eons past myself and hopefully past you guys as well. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. I want to again thank our sponsors, Powerlift, Skycoach, and Team Attack Academy. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.